Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox One Two Three Sixty, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now your hosts, Sean Xbox Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox One Two Three Sixty. It's going to be back here again this week. Last week. Um, oh well, let me just first say. <laughs> That a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Teddy Hart. And um, I've known Teddy since he was a little <laughs> guy. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I haven't had a, an in-depth conversation with, uh, with Teddy in a long time. And probably uh, last time I did, I wasn't in nearly as good a state of mind as I am today. So. Back in uh, Mexico in AAA. Well, yeah, and even you know, a few years back, I saw him in, um, you know, not this year's New Orleans WrestleMania, but a 30, few 30. years, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was doing all right then too, but not, you know, I've not come along, I've come a long way since then. Yeah. Anyways, it's not about. I was going to say it's not about me, but it's my it show. <laughs> 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 um, Your name's on the marquee. Yeah, and uh, also. Um. Yeah. Trying to. Uh, I feel. I feel good. This. I feel good. This. Um. Uh, this week. Uh. It's been a, a tough. You know, last month or so for everyone. Uh, um. That loves wrestling. That mm. you know the, the losses we uh, we've had, and uh, so it's kind of dragged the show down. Not dragged. It, I didn't mean to like drag the energy, maybe. Yeah, it's, the energy it's been of the draining. show. Yeah, it's been the show draining. is still good. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But like you know, you want to. I want. I want the show to be okay. You you watch or listen to the show, mm. and you feel good afterwards. Not like sad. Mm. But you a know? lot of people were tweeting you and saying like, "Oh, thank you for your honesty and opening mm. up about no, you know the cool. sad stuff." Yeah, so no. this and, wasn't and too that's bad. fine. But uh, you know, somebody did mention okay, like I. I was in a shitty mood the other night and uh, during SummerSlam, mm. and I tweeted something about how terrible it is, the worst, for a wrestler to wrestle in front of a dead crowd. Wasn't making a comment about why the crowd yeah. was dead, anything like that, and everyone was just making that my Make tweet it. about whatever they wanted to. And so I didn't think it too good, and I got a little bit, uh, mm. you know... Um, you got caught up in your mentions, as some would say. Yeah, like yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but somebody like came at me, and they're like, hey, you know, uh, even this show, like you've been kind of negative a little bit lately." And my initial, like, you know, thought was like, "Mute this asshole," <laughs> and uh, and you know, f that guy. Yeah, I didn't do that. Well, and like, you know, about I don't know, a half an hour later, I was like, you know. 
I mean, the guy has a point. Like he said, he's a huge fan, and you know, and you know, I got a little defensive there. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm going to try to be mindful of uh, of my positivity. Absolutely, <laughs> but I also think that a week to week show about just the state of wrestling. It's yeah. okay that if the state of wrestling, like if the state of wrestling is what it was the, yeah. the past two episodes, it's not completely unacceptable to just have segments where it's like. Listen, we have to talk about what's happening. Yeah. This is what happened. And, it's- and here's the thing, everyone. Like, I am, I'm a human being just like you, and uh, sometimes, you know, I try not to drag things into the studio with me, uh, but it, it happens mm. here and there. Um, and uh, and so, uh, I think I usually do a fairly decent job of it. Uh, so what's going on? Well, definitely a lot <laughs> happened. There was a yeah. lot to watch in the wrestling world this last Saturday and Sunday, obviously with the NXT TakeOver and with SummerSlam. So I guess we'll get started off with NXT TakeOver. What were some of the matches that you guys thought that were like just out of this world, highlights of the show, etc.? Top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing with the, with the NXT. Like, I came in late on, on, on the NXT show, so I got like the last like couple of minutes of the tag match, mm. and then, you know picked up from there and so like i was talking to austin last night i'm not going to go into Mm -hmm. depth on my conversation with steve but you know we were talking about that he was just raving like he was putting that match over that was his favorite match that i saw i also tuned in because it's 4 p.m here it was when nxt takeover starts which i think is a little early for nxt takeover yeah but I so I probably only saw the last five or ten minutes of that match. It was yeah. an eighteen minute match, and I, that was straight fire from what I saw. I went back and watched it last night, like carefully. Mm. Wow, it's, wow! I mean, because I was come, I was talking about, uh, you know, oh, why do the girls always have? Why do the ladies always have to be put in like the 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 toughest spot of the night? <laughs> you know, and like what spot isn't tough after the first match? Is like that. Like, to me, as great as the whole show was, I hate to say it, it was a little bit downhill, like, match-wise. Like, because mm. that was the best match of the night. I agree. I think, although I think with suspending disbelief, I feel this was the more or less predictable match. But, mm. although NXT doesn't really care about that that much. But, like, of all the matches, this was the most predictable, where it's like, well, they already... The only thing that would make you think Mustache Mountain would win is that they won before. And it's like maybe they'll trade. Yeah, and you're not because okay, that they're mm. you can't go with that. Like I know. That, yeah, because like, like look, to, I was thinking I'm jumping ahead of myself mm. here, but to the Gargano uh, Champa finish. Yeah, like I was wasn't I didn't see that. I I was thinking it was going to be the other way around. That's fair. Me personally, I think, I think they were all they were literally all over the place with Gargano Champa, but I also yeah. think booking wise, they had they only had two weeks to scramble for what yeah. this match. They had no intention of putting this match fourth in a string of four matches. Uh, so, what did you think of Dream's tights? They're fine, Call whatever. I, you know, it's just an attention thing, and you know, people trying to get, you know, it's just trying to get people to say something, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. It was, it's fine. It's those types of things. They don't really like. I, everyone else kind of noticed that, and it's like, you know, yeah. it's whatever, I'm, but I'm hearing, I, I could care less about that I'm hearing that kind conflicting of thing. sides. I'm hearing folks saying that there, there'd be no way he'd be allowed on television with those on his tights without it being approved properly. 
And then Triple H the next day claiming he had no idea until he saw it on the screen. Well, it makes me think of when Dolph Ziggler put Lana on his tights. Yeah. And he had the same situation. They didn't know that Lana was on his crotch until he went out on I the pay-per-view, be, and then he wasn't allowed to wear those tights again. I wouldn't be shocked if it was approved somewhere between that's, the wrestler and Triple H yes. to insulate that that's how you do it. Because sure. it, it probably, if, the further up the chain it would go, the more likely you are to get a no. So you but go straight to him say yes, and then don't do anything else. I just, I, like... You don't need to tell Vince to call you up on his tights. Like you got it going on, mm. uh, Patrick. You, you, if you're, you're getting a call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you don't need to, uh, you know, mm. put that out there like that. Also, I just think it's a little. I think he's a little. Yeah. Also, of all that. the folks on the NXT card that night, I think Patrick's one of the few Vince might actually have known of bef- yeah. because. Because he was on Tough Enough, and yeah. Vince was probably more involved in Tough Enough than he was involved in the NXT. Yeah. Hey, so I want to go backwards here. Like, that tag match, it's too good, and there was too much good shit in that tag match to just uh, gloss over. Oh, yeah. Like, some of the stuff... Okay, when... Uh, and, and how about Trent Seven, right? Oof. Like, no one talks about him enough. Well, I maybe I just don't hear it. Because, I mean, that guy's phenomenal. And he looks like... You know, just some dude like that yeah, drinks like, a lot of beer and doesn't go to the gym very much. He looks like someone you'd find in a pub that was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah like, like rolls up their sleeves and is like, let's go. Uh, yeah, he'll beat I your like ass, yeah, but like, like, yeah. Um, so when they they they'd already done a, a tag where. Uh, you know, uh, Trent got the hot tag yeah. at one point, and he came in there and blew a helm a hot tag, bam, bam, and then they stopped him, and then eventually they got to a point where uh, both the uh, Mustache Mountain were in submission holds, and yeah. uh, and uh, Tyler Bate was in a triangle a choke, but then yeah. he picked up uh, Kyle, Kyle? Kyle, Kyle, yeah, yeah, and with one arm, and then just ran him right into. Uh, <laughs> Um, Roderick Strong. Yeah. Roderick Strong. He's, he's got him in the strong. Yeah, which is just like there's nothing like spectacular, like you know, like you would think of when you think of like somebody doing a crazy flip, mm-hmm. triple indie, whatever. But it was just the creativity and the timing, and and the people just ate it up, and like everything that followed after that for like a good like minute or two was just as good as anything I've seen in a long time. Like the way, like he dove out, and then, you know, um, uh, whoever tried to throw him back in, but then he bounced off the yeah. ropes on the outside and clotheslined him. Oh, Tyler Bates. Yeah, come great. on, you know that's what I'm talking about when I tell people to quit, like falling back in all the routine shit mm. that everyone has seen a million times. Like use your brains, like these guys, you know, and like, uh, and if you, you can't, like. I don't know. I, I don't want to say st- steal other people's shit, but like take it, make it your own somehow. Well, if you take you know, it, make it your own. It's not stealing, yeah. Like, yeah. An so. idea is an idea is different from a thing. Yeah. Like if you have right. an idea and then you turn it into your thing. And then it's your you thing. don't steal it, someone else's gun, anyways. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what do you think of uh, War Raiders coming out and just kind of calling their shot after this match? That was fine. It's, it uh, was the, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn crowd was hot for them, yeah. as they would be. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, that was... I like that feud, too. I, I, great. And I like setting up your next tag team feud yeah. in the TakeOver. Because I think... I don't know how many, but I'm sure there are a lot of folks who don't necessarily watch NXT week to week. 
because it, it is the kind of product you could watch TakeOver yep. to TakeOver and kind of generally know what's going on that I like that, nope, we know, next next time. ACP, EC3 and, and Velveteen Dream. They had to follow that tag match. Mm. Tough match to follow. Uh, they had a hell of a match. Wasn't I, I think if there was a match in the show that like NXT fans w- would think was... Mm, because they're all great matches, I mm-hmm. think. but that was the least of the great matches. Maybe. Do you think that maybe we still aren't seeing all of EC3's full potential, or at least I in just this don't match? think like when we had Nick Houseman on last week, and I was talking with Nick about this. I just there's some people I think are more geared for the main roster, mm-hmm. and I think EC3 is one of them. I uh, because there's a certain flavor that and in the ring too, like that. Yeah. That that NXT has, and I just think that. It's not necessarily uh, EC3's yeah. cup of tea. I think he's really valuable on the main roster. Oh, I think he's I definitely. I think he, they need to just get him up there. Yeah. And like, I also think I've heard, I've, I don't quite agree with it, but I've heard it said that um, this the first half of this match felt more like just a superstars match, like yeah. a very by the bones, yeah. two guys go at it until they go to the outside and it kind of blew up. I think that was intentional. Uh-huh. I actually preferred it that way, but a lot of folks gave it that criticism and blame that criticism on EC3. Just because okay. he's a body guy, like he's just that's his style, that's the style he's more comfortable with. So they had to do it half his way, half Velveteen Dream's way. Okay, but and yeah, that still worked. And you just followed a tag match like that. Like, and if you think you're going to go out there and follow that by doing more than the same, like mm. it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I love the finish, mm. the Velveteen, the the Dream Driver, and then the elbow. Was hey, yes. Okay, I know what I was going to say about this because like. Uh, EC3 started bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I think, and no, I haven't heard anyone say this, but I think they might have called the match early. That's a possibility. Oh, yes, because I've been there when they've done it. Mm-hmm. When I when we were at that match NXT at the... In LA with Lars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Lars got busted open. I think he wrestled Gargano, actually. Oh, uh, only. Orn, oh, Orny Larkin. Orny Larkin. Yeah. And uh, Lars Sullivan. Yeah, that was the yeah. match. Yeah, and, ma- and he started bleeding, and they... And they will do that on, yep. on pay per view too. So it was That's just because it was a weird, just like all of a sudden that you know, the finish came mm. and it was like the there would have been more to it if to me if like it would have the finish would have played out mm. a little bit more, uh, like organically. If, like yes. if that, it yeah, did feel it a little sudden. Little, it yes. still worked. Like they went to the finish, so yeah. the finish was still strong. But you're, yeah. you're right. There probably was three more minutes there that they didn't they probably. didn't get to. And yeah. we've seen the pictures after he got he got busted pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I, that was the third blood spot of the weekend, but the first of the oh sorry of the, the first three. of the three. Sorry. Yeah. So all right. And did you want to talk about Ricochet, Adam Cole, Kyrie Sane, Shane yes. Baszler, Tommaso mm. Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and obviously yeah. Matt Riddle? Yeah, so like this is this segment's gonna go a little longer than uh, twenty minutes, Marcus. So uh, Marcus is going. Oh. Oh, poor Marcus. Well, there was a lot of matches <laughs> overall this weekend. Yeah. What did you think of the show, Mark? I absolutely loved it. I thought every single match brought a different style to NXT and showed the variety of wrestling that they can yeah. do. And and talking about Dream and EC3, I I agree that it felt like a WWE match on an NXT show. Right. And and kind of agree also that it it was the it was still 
very good, but everything else had such a high bar to hit yes. that it, it made it that much more difficult yeah. to hit. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed every match on the TakeOver card. Yeah. What do you think about my uh, thoughts on EC3 just being more geared for the main roster as opposed to NXT? I agree. I, th I thought that we would see him la uh, on, on Raw this week. Yeah. To be honest, I, th I thought that he was just going to have a quick trip so that he could make mm -hmm. the EC3 appearance. Or maybe we start seeing some some uh, video yes. packages mm -hmm. soon. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think he's going to be spending too much time in NXT. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Ricochet and Adam Cole just crushed it. Wow. wow. So good. Well, <laughs> I, I look... Uh, I've, I've seen Adam Cole around for... Quite a while mm. here and there on shows, ran into him. Super nice guy. Like, had no idea he was that great. <laughs> I just didn't. You know, like I mean, I don't. I can't see everything out yeah. there. And like, you see the guy, and he's what a really handsome guy, right? And then, but he's not a big guy. Like in street clothes, like he just looks like a normal guy. Mm. And so, like, I mean, um, uh, you know, I didn't. He's the total package. He's got the look. He can cut a promo. He can wrestle. He's amazing. It was then the psychology, like to me, like the psychology. His psychology is, I think, his strong suit. Yes. You know, not that anything else isn't right up there too, but like to me, his his brain. He's, I like I like the way that. Uh, mm. And that makes him very strongly suited yeah. for the WWE yeah. as well. And it was just and Ricochet is just on a whole other level and. Um, there's a couple little things I see. I want to see Ricochet tighten up um, in between stuff. You know, uh, keeping it looking more like I, I don't know. Mm. I I do know, but I I you know yeah. I just once he tweaks these couple of little things, he's gonna be like in league of his own, mm. like total package, not just as a high flyer. Oh yeah. More like in between the moves thing. Yes, and just keeping it like intense. Like sometimes it looks like too, like like when he's like getting a, ready to set up or something. Yeah, like stunty. I guess. Yeah, be like, like, he's, like when he's ready to run into the ropes mm -hmm. or like. It, yeah, I I noticed he he has a a tell at least where right when he's about to do a high impact run into something. Yes, he looks square at his feet to make sure that they're both planted firmly yeah. on the ground mm -hmm. and runs straight into his opponent. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, I you know if you have any more little tidbits like that from now on, I wish you would share them with us. <laughs> hey, I'll do what I can. All right. Um, what about Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler? Oh wow! Cause, all right, here's the thing. Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing. I saw that and I was like, I, I okay, these guys, those two are next, and I'm like, wow, honey, you follow that, but like you knew they were gonna because every time they get, because they always get put in a spot mm -hmm. where it's a tough match to follow, and uh, every, like the last several times I've, I mean every time I've yeah. seen them, just they've the, come the women, through. The women, the women's division on NXT and the yeah. tag division on NXT are just yeah. bar none. So, but like, okay, my only thing is like, okay, just because they can follow a match like that doesn't mean you got to make them do it every single show. Yeah. You know, put them on after uh, EC3 and Velveteen Dream this time. Or, um, I don't know, but. Use them ooh. as a way to kind of jumpstart yeah. the yeah. crowd again instead of kind of like, okay, mm. this, is yeah. the, this is the point of the show where we're supposed to be tired, but we're not. Yeah, so like, and, I, and the only reason I'm saying that is like, give them a fresher crowd. Yeah. Reward them every once in a while with the fresher crowd and not just like, oh, we know you can do it, so here. 
Yeah. And That's all. I know it would be counterintuitive to everything they're saying about the women's revolution, but like if they opened the show, I, that would have been acceptable too. Absolutely. Because the crowd would have been straight fire for yeah. them the whole way through. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm a huge Shayna Baszler fan, and uh, I th- I like how she's adjusted because mm. when she first first came in real like okay no rope work or nothing but mm-hmm. now she's incorporated that a yeah. little because look regardless of like how pure you are as a wrestler you're in WWE you're going to work WWE style oh yeah and yeah if you want to be there she's come along very nicely I think excellent I think how she's come so we're a year past the Mae Young Classic so how she's come from the Mae Young Classic to now yeah I think it's kind of the blueprint people should be looking at Ronda yes that like where Ronda is right now, a year from now, it's like the progression should be about the same. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's one particular uh, point in the match where um, where Kari Sane has Shayna in trouble, mm-hmm. and she's up on the top rope, and she's about ready to drop that mm-hmm. elbow on her back, and Shayna rolls to the floor, and the people start booing, right? <laughs> and so. Kari just goes after and just turns and then dives to dives yeah. on her on the floor, and I just I was just like thank you, <laughs> somebody made a dive without setting it up the same exact way everyone sets it up where you mm. know it's coming a million yeah. miles away. It's it was such it, it was such a relief to see like to see a dive incorporated like that like, mm-hmm. uh cuz she treated it she, wasn't forced and she treats the top rope like a loaded yes. like a loaded gun so if i load a gun and point it at you and you move i'm still going to like cool yeah. i'm going to move my hand now <sighs> so and and then the finish like everything was just fantastic about that yeah. i love the finish so much yeah. cuz everyone's like oh piper brett yeah. And the way she got into it wasn't like piper brett where you pushed off the turnbuckle it was so out of nowhere yeah uh, yeah. I enjoyed this a lot, and it, it, it keeps Shayna Baszler equal to Kyrie Sane. Although they like this is the rubber match of three, and like she's the champion now. I this was the only match I didn't predict correctly because I thought they were just going to bring Kyrie up. They were going to bring Kyrie up, keep Shayna Baszler down there. Oh no! Let her let her have a longer reign. No, nah, I didn't think that. I thought the uh, I thought she was yeah on her way up. Yeah. And then, obviously, the main event, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano, which we know this has been going on for quite a while. And yeah. honestly, I don't feel like it's something that you can ever get sick and tired of because all the dimensions that they played with, with this match, I feel like when they, you think you can't take it to this next level in the storyline with the psychology and everything, they kind of did continue that. Yeah, I, I, yeah it, was, it was an incredible match. Uh, it was. Uh, I I was expecting Gargano to win. I'm wondering, like, okay, I know uh, this was put together last mm-hmm. minute. You know, it was under. You know, I mean, it was, under a bit of a duress, yes. like duress, like the plan. Yeah, but when's he gonna come through? I, I guess it. Like, I've heard a lot of people compare it's, this to like a Tommy Dreamer Raven situation where Johnny Gargano never wins. That's look, no. Which no, if, look, yeah, like he should win at some point. The the good guy has to come through. And then mm. I think they needed this story beat for him for Johnny to go to his absolute lowest, to dip to Tommaso Ciampa's level mm. and, and go like one hundred percent like I don't care what I do to myself and, and sort of put 
his uh, put his morals and his ideals on the shelf in order to win, and he needed this moment to sort of turn around and go, no, 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 I've given up who I am. I've given up to to use an insider term, the white baby face, the, mm. the white, white meat, meat baby face, <laughs> white meat baby face. I misspoke. Uh, that that I am and have been, and a lot of people got behind in order to. De destroy this evil in my life and I think now going through this moment and maybe getting a kick in the face uh, in the near future from Alistair Black might be the thing that sets him back on the right path and yeah. I, I think they just I think this beat was going to be that no matter what mm. and they're they're gonna have one more where it's it's Johnny wrestling 100% good guy no like following the rules etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and so does every because everyone you guys probably know better than than I because you probably follow the product closer than I do is that is everyone still going to have an appetite for it um, I think so. I Possibly. Think, yeah, okay. I think they're in the fight forever. Like, <coughs> yeah, they're definitely. Brett, Sean, Sammy, Kevin, they're in that, like, you guys could just beat the crap out of there's, each other and we'll always want to see it. There's a theory I want to float very quickly, which is what if Tommaso Ciampa is essentially grooming Johnny Gargano to be the most ruthless version of himself so that he can then get DIY back together as a heel team? Well, because that, that was one is, of the things, like, when he was like, oh, I'm sorry, and he was like, well, it's too late, dude. Yeah, you like, know? But, like, the constant, like, if Tommaso Ciampa is the most evil of evil person, and what would the most evil thing be if he wanted, ultimately wanted to be tag team champions with Johnny Gargano, yeah. is that he would take every ounce of good out of Johnny Gargano so that they can be the absolute most evil team possible, and then yeah. maybe go up to the main roster that way. That would be a way to do All it, right. and then you, t you wait a while, and then you turn Johnny Gargano he face again. Yeah, something like that. All right, so yeah. I think we <laughs> obviously a lot of people definitely liked NXT TakeOver. And, I mean, obviously you can't argue with that. But then moving on to SummerSlam, do you guys want to start at the pre-show or do you guys just want to go into the I main mean, card? I mean, what was in the pre-show? We well, can we zip had, through it. Okay, well, we had Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina versus uh, Rusev and Lana. Yeah. Rusev, who fought the champ the month yeah, previous. Yeah, and they put over, like, yeah, the, I saw that uh, the got the uh, the Andrade and... And, and they so needed it. I feel like their hype has gone yeah. down, you know? Yeah. And I think they can do a lot more with them. And then um, Cedric defeated Gulak. Did you guys see that? I didn't that watch was... it. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, when you have a show that is, how long was the show? Six hours? It was Six four hours. plus a two hour pre show. Yeah. So that's more like a, an all day music festival to me. <laughs> and so to me, when you do that, when you give, when you put that in front of the, front of me like i'm going to go on a cart and pick which of course stuff i want to consume you know i because I, I that sorry that's just the way it is it's a lot like yeah and um so i didn't see those and, mm. and you know sorry well like overall i think a lot of the common theme of what i saw for the pre-show was that a lot of people nothing really major happened like True, to be honest, we could have done without some of these matches, yeah. you know? And it's because I feel like, like you said, it kind of drags some of the other matches that are, should be a little bit more important. Sure. It drags them down. So that's one of the arguments that I was thinking about earlier was, should I know that they want as many people as possible to be on the big shows and whatnot, but is that actually, you know, the right decision? Should we make it more special? Like, you're on this pay-per-view card, you worked hard to get here, so maybe don't have all of these matches and have, the, I guess, those storylines or the feuds that actually earned it to be on the card. Yeah. Like a less is more situation. Sure. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you're watering down yeah. the paper well, by it's... adding four more matches to the pre-show instead of just not having those there. Oh yeah, because the comparison I've made is that NXT is the equivalent to like a steakhouse, whereas 
the pay-per-view the following night is more or less the equivalent to a buffet. They're both great. They both feed you. You'll both you'll get exactly what you want out of both. But one is curated specifically for your taste, and the other is one of these. You'll love one of these things. Well, you can tell by the crowd. It was the same building. Yeah, entirely different crowd feeling and vibe. Uh, The B team was on the pre-show. Yeah, B team the revival. Their little. B team, B team, go go go! Chant that they got going. They're really trying to replace the New Day. I think that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna break up New Day and split them up, and mm. then B team's gonna be like the new Happy for the Kids. Like everyone chants and does this chant, and everyone buys their stuff. I see. That's where they're going with. Okay. Them. I hope. I hope that because I like those guys. Me too. But basically, the opening match was Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Obviously, Seth Rollins won. Personally, I thought everybody loved this match. Okay, I love this match too, but I think that the first half of this match was focused more on what was going on outside the ring versus what was going yeah, on inside the ring. So it uh, wasn't what an opening match should really be. Yeah, okay. It was. I don't. I think it really started picking up the last half of the match. That's when, like, yeah, that's when they started mm. actually getting going. Uh, I. Okay. Yeah. I. I'm just. I've seen. Man, I've seen some great stuff from those guys on TV recently. Like, so you could kind of just, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm used to seeing them go out there and crushing it, but, but yeah, that's, kinda just, okay. that's where they're put. Yeah. <laughs> they go out there and crush it every night, yeah. and it's just a matter of, like, cool, what's next? Like, you do 20, a 22 minute opening match? I'm waiting for Drew to get the, uh, you know, to get the opportunity. That was a tweet that you put out. Yeah. About. I mm-hmm. just want to see what people said, you know, yeah. Drew main event. WrestleMania in three years. That sounds right. I, I, he I'm sounds thinking, on the way. I hope so. You know, I mean, you never know. Mm-hmm. We'll see, like, if they give him the chance and he carries the ball in the end zone or not. But, like, like I think he's, he's, he's got a pretty good – his game is on point mm-hmm. in pretty much all aspects. So, Do you uh, see him as the champ at that WrestleMania or chasing for the title? I don't know. Because it's not like yeah. anyone can be like they put the title on anyone. That's why I didn't say WWE or Universal Champ. I said main event WrestleMania. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game. So and then the match after that that I thought was actually a lot better than I was previously expecting, which was the New Day against the Bludgeon Brothers. The New Day's taking the win after the Bludgeon Brothers got themselves disqualified. I yeah. think that this match, I kind of felt like the people didn't really care that much about this one mainly because you know the bro- the bludgeon brothers we haven't really seen their characters completely develop and you know we're used to the new day and their dance and singing and all of that stuff but i think that this match had some really good spots in this we had some really good spots that i think got the crowd like okay like this mm-hmm. is actually a pretty good match but that few, like this i didn't like there, the finish yeah i didn't i hated the finish that, it was a two-week tournament for the new day to get there to then have a dq finish with clearly styrofoam hammer it was yeah, it's, um, well, it's like just uh, people may, might not care because it's like hard to take it serious. New Day comes out and does their thing, and mm-hmm. I mean that's what they do and, and all that. But like, there's no like big, you know. I mean, there's no big grudge, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. The New Day is a weird act in that they're sense. Great, like they're, but they're like great, they're, but they're they're at a point right now where it's like they're in a funny spot. Like to to me, because I mean they're so they're like. They're such a big, important part of WWE, and they're a great act. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing with them right now? Yeah, Make see, Biggie that's the thing, too, because during this match from the New Day, I, I felt Biggie Langston was the, well, Biggie, was the only one that actually, you know, he was the one that really shone through, and I feel like if he was just a one-man team, then, you know, 
they can do a lot with him, but at the same time, you also risk them. If they break up, you also risk them just kind of like floundering around in the roster, you know? Yeah. Or maybe they should just take a break. Perhaps. I mean, like, any any of it's fine. Like, yeah, and come back, you know? Use them for other things. All right. Know. Then after that, we had Braun Strowman, who defeated Kevin Owens to keep his money in the bank briefcase, mm-hmm. which I think, obviously, after this, this kept everybody... You know, they're saying that, obviously, because Braun Strowman kept his Money in the Bank briefcase, we knew that there was a possibility that he would be cashing in during the main event. So it kept people not treating the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match how a lot of people thought they were going to be treating this match. That's right. Yeah. Well, and then to jump ahead when Braun Strowman was out there for the match, that he was literally there to make sure the Brooklyn crowd didn't crap on it. He was literally That's insurance. Right. And it worked. Yeah. It no, worked no, fantastically. No match. <clears throat> um, overall, like, okay, when I think of Money in the Bank, Briefcase, and Braun Strowman, they don't go together. No. However, that being said, the way they're doing it makes it work. Like, okay, I'm not, you know, he's not doing that cash it in, like, mm-hmm. run in and jump the guy from behind and get the yeah. belt. Like, uh, I like that. Mm hmm. And uh, it was an, a really smart uh, way to use that uh, whole thing at, you know, um, SummerSlam. At SummerSlam. SummerSlam, yeah. Yes. There is some criticism that it makes him look silly. But uh, I, I disagree. That I, he I, I did end. totally disagree. Like, I disagree, I thought too, a little that... bit, but, like, you know, like, in, in, like come back and... In, like, the only reason I honestly thought that is because I read someone else say it. Of and course, then I like, go back yeah. and I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it... You're just pissing and moaning. For the sake of pissing and moaning. What do you think that this hurt Kevin Owens in any sort of way? Because, you know, I think a lot of people thought that maybe he would have put up more of a fight. You know what hurt? Uh, that chokeslam on the outside. Yeah, like... Holy <coughs> cow. That's what I took literal from hurt. SummerSlam yeah. was this pay-per-view had the craziest bumps from the first match to the DDT on the yeah. apron, mm-hmm. the Biggie, uh, Xavier Woods, like, backcracker yeah. chokeslam on the outside, Charlotte... Like everyone, Charlotte's moonsault, yeah, like yeah. all Char- of it. Jeff Hardy, everyone took like horrible bumps this pay per view. And okay, the crowd's deader than shit, mm. and everything hurts even worse. Trust me, that's mm. like one of the reasons that like, uh, like we hate, like the that it's so awful to um, work in front of a dead crowd. Yeah, and like somebody you know tweeted me, oh, you know, I'm a musician. I know what it's like. You know, I played. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I know it sucks for a musician to play in front of a dead crowd or no one there, but it's not even close. It's You're not going to hit with your guitar at the end of your set. <laughs> yes. I'm, all due respect. Yeah. It's just not. It's apples and oranges. We're both, we're, we're both performers and we're both performing, but like when you're getting like not to complain, but when you're getting beat up, it hurts worse when there's not a mm-hmm. bunch of people making a lot of noise. That's all I'm saying. And uh, then Charlotte defeated Carmella and Becky yeah, as well. Yeah. I'm just going to go to the... I, I didn't even realize Charlotte's supposed to be a baby face now. <laughs> like, huh? well, cause they want to make her do a bunch of Ric Flair stuff, but the Ric Flair those mannerisms are heelish to begin yes. with. You just make her... Look, <laughs> look uh, like... No, <laughs> Charlotte, baby face. No, Charlotte, just Charlotte. You know, yeah. like she just Charlotte Flair. Like she's, you know, um, like her dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like to say no, like to to pigeonhole her as a 
baby face. That like, because then I didn't know like Becky like. That was supposed to be a heel turn by Becky Lynch, and then it the Bro- wasn't the Brooklyn cr- and like the Brooklyn crowd. You wouldn't you would think Charlotte Flair was the worst yes. person in the ring. It yes. was supposed to be Carmella. Yes. Well, the thing is that I just feel that this was Becky Lynch's. You know, everybody wanted her to 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 win this match because you know I feel like she's one. Had she won, I think it would have been a lot more refreshing. You know, but now that they're building Charlotte and Becky, that I feel like it's going to be great. The fact that like. Whoever wrote that thought that that was going to turn her heel. <laughs> I'm like, what? Really? I, Come on. It was kind of like a Bailey a, moment. You talk right? about you have your- terrible miscalculation. <laughs> that was, oh. And, and there, and, but it was great. Mm. It was great. It's just the fact that you thought that was like going to turn, like be a heel thing uh. for her. Come on, people, people were feeling for her. You know, like they were like they mm. felt her pain. They literally felt her pain because yes. Char- Charlotte Charlotte Flair flew in, like just swooped in after Becky Lynch had gotten the title shot, and then got her own title shot. Like, <laughs> like it, like she came off Come like on. a heel in this whole thing. Yeah, all right, I got enough. Let's hope for pivot. Enough. All right, after that we had Samoa Joe who defeated AJ Styles. Yes, I just okay. Those guys are great. Both and and every time they lock up, it's great. That being said, when you talk shit about my family, talk shit and, and, and say the things you said, we're not locking up. <laughs> we're not locking up collar and elbow. It's just not happening. We're going right to these. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about yeah, yeah. fisticuffs. Jumpstart that thing. Mm-hmm. You don't lock up. That's Sorry, That's they should have started that thing hot. And then... Did I feel like it once it got hot, and that's when ever the DQ happened, and you know it was kind of like, oh, it was just getting really good. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Okay. Anyways, okay. So after that, we had the Miss who defeated Daniel Bryan. This was one of the matches that everybody, when I asked, hey, what match are you really looking forward to? This is one of the ones that got the most responses. Yeah. And what about the after it was done? I loved it. I enjoyed yeah. this match finish, a lot. The brass knuckles finish uh-huh. and everything—you could even see uh, Johnny LaQuasto in the crowd. Yeah, I, it, it was just—it was—it was sad to see like the crowd so dead for a Daniel Bryan match, you know. And but I will what? Oh, I was gonna say that the thing for that is that I think that because of the finish, they should have cut down the match a little bit shorter. Yeah. It didn't need to be as long yeah. for mm. that finish. It could have been shorter because they took their time. Like there, okay. Here's the thing: uh, when a crowd is dead, a lot of times. A purse, uh, like guys will tend to rush through the match more. Mm-hmm. You know, like first of all, you're panicking because you're trying to get that reaction, and and you know, so you start working harder. You start doing things hard. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that go on in there, and to be able to take your time and like takes a bit of discipline and patience, and not panicking that the crowd's not there, and mm-hmm. understanding why they're not there, and that it's not a reflection necessarily on. On on you, yeah. It's, it's just, just a reflection right. of the yeah, night. Just like they're they, fatigued. They just you know? saw the world championship yeah. be defended at like eight thirty at night. Yeah, and okay, so all right. Yeah, like and it then, Yeah. So then, Ronda Rousey and uh, and Alexa Bliss. Uh, Is that was that? Oh next? no, Finn, um, Balor is the Finn demon. and Corbin oh, and yeah. Shinsuke and Jeff Hardy. Do you want to go to Finn Corbin then? Yeah, that I was can, all just the selling action. I didn't even watch yeah. it. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. Not gonna lie. 
No, 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 I, I think watch the it. argument with this one was why bring out the demon to sell if, an action figure. If yeah, but like other like besides that, like for those who didn't oh, like, think about that, yeah, exactly. Him. Like the demon is not. I mean, I hit like Corbin shouldn't. It shouldn't be for that match. Is what a lot mm -hmm. of people were saying. That's what I was thinking. I don't too. think it was for that match. It was for the match the next night. It yes. was to remind everybody what Finn Balor can bring to the table and how much of a threat he can be to the world title picture. Uh, to the point where thank you. he got a a Universal Championship shot the next night. He steamrolled through somebody that's been a thorn in Raw's side for the past however many months. Baron's been the constable, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and and that was enough to have Roman notice him and give him a yeah. give him a, a title shot that he hasn't gotten in two years. Yeah. yeah. So all right, we Even gotta we, we gotta yeah, zip yeah, through we this. Gotta. We gotta zip through this shit. Like uh, I get bogged down in the mud sometimes talking about all this shit and getting off into the weeds on different side. But um so should skate Jeff Hardy or do you want to go to Ronda? Yeah. Ronda. Yeah. All right, Rhonda Alexa. Yeah, okay, Rhonda and Alexa I I that was pretty risky putting that out. Like, okay, because Rhonda, you know, like, she's not the underdog. And, like, mm. I think she was really the underdog versus Naya, but there yeah. was still at least that size, David and Goliath size difference. Mm -hmm. There is no equivalent, female equivalent of David and Goliath, is there? Anyways. Naya. Matilla the Hun. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyways, I it was risky. It's, mm. it's from my point of view, especially when she sits down in the middle of the ring, Indian style, like, come put the choke on me. Like, that's like, look, as a baby face, that's some risky shit. Sorry. Dude, like, that, I think it worked. I think it, it worked did in this work, match. But it was really risky. And I don't know if it was necessarily worth the risk for the payoff because I don't think the payoff was that huge. I do think Alexa Bliss, of all the women, of all the women on the main roster, is. Yeah. The most able to recover from, aside from her running away, this was otherwise this this was otherwise a squash of Alexa Bliss, which makes Ronda look just unstoppable. Which yeah. the character is presented, she's judo she's judo throwing grown men, so it makes sense that she's unstoppable heading into this match. Yeah, but I think Alexa Bliss will be fine because Alexa Bliss can talk them into the building. Yeah, it, it, she doesn't have to win. She doesn't have to look strong. I would yep. like to see more Ric Flair style, like hiding in the ropes yes. and like on the knees begging them off yep. in this match of just like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> well, that's Alexa. why it worked that she was doing the whole sitting down and turning around because Alexa Bliss was like, oh, like she was like, right, you know, guys, I'll make it easier for you. Um, look, please. we got to get through this shit. We got Teddy Hart coming up, and we just get so bogged down. And but we, like, I want to talk about Raw, and we, we like we're not even freaking finished talking about goddamn SummerSlam yet. <laughs> Shit. Um, well, Roman Reigns finally defeated Brock Lesnar. That's the last thing. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I think they was very smart how they did it. Uh, everything worked fine. Um, you know, uh, they got through it. Perfect. And uh, Raw was excellent. Raw was tremendous. Uh, the, the, the last, uh, the, the title match, all the way through the... From the beginning of the title match all the way through the go home. Tremendous. Tremendous. Okay. Um, um, oh, yeah. I got some, uh, got a little message from Nitsa. Um, hey, everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. Actually, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. Sorry about that. You could get in a crash, people could get hurt or killed. 
But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. Many people aren't. They're not aware of that, you guys. Um, In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmful after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is driving while high is deadly, so stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, we're going to be right back with Teddy Hart. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Joining us over the phone right now is a man I've known since he was a, since he was a child. Uh, friends with his entire family, I think the world of his family. And uh, in, I, in my opinion, um, he's the most athletically gifted uh, of all the hearts. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Teddy Hart. Yeah. yeah. Teddy. Oh, thank you so much for the uh, the kind word, Sean. I really appreciate coming from you. Hey, so. man, but we've known each other forever. I just, I, I mean, you know, come, like we would come to Calgary or whatever, and, like I would see you, TJ, Harry, you know, um, and it's, uh, wow, man, it's come a long way from now, from then till now. Holy shit. You're always the, uh, I think you're always the nicest, the nicest guy. My dad is pretty fickle about who he who he holds in high regard as being legit nice guys outside the ring. Some guys forget, or they. And my dad, he always he always spoke so highly of you. And same with Brett. And he, guys like Razor Ramon, uh, because of being your friend, and same with Kevin Nash, because I was close to you. Those guys were uh, always very nice to me. This because I mean you're, I think that you've seen it all, and you never I've never seen you with a big head or an ego uh, outside the ring, always one of the kindest, uh, most humble guys in the world, and one of the best, my my opinion, one of the guys like Rey Mysterio, who allowed guys that weren't weren't the biggest guys, but with a lot of talent, to get that opportunity and uh, to show people that really it's not about size in wrestling, it's about heart and talent, if, yeah. if the guys behind you back it up, and because you were so smart and so nice to the guys that were in political power, I think... Uh, it 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 basically it jump started a whole bunch of other people getting uh, opportunities in wrestling. So I mean that first match you did with Razor Ramon that was one of the I think one of the only times it had ever happened like that in, in wrestling history where they put a smaller guy over and from there it, it showed everyone that you know it gave guys joining wrestling schools especially I think people don't realize the small impact on that but it it opened doors for everyone that wanted to get into wrestling that didn't think they were big enough maybe and i just that's why i got into wrestling and one of the reasons i got into wrestling so i just i've always been a huge fan of, of you inside the ring and out thanks teddy hey how how is um when when you did you like did you did you wrestle in school Teddy? cuz we i don't think we ever as many talks as we've had like you know end up conversations i don't think you've ever mentioned like that part 
I did mar- I did some martial arts stuff, yeah. and then uh, I did some like I guess back in the day it would have been like considered kind of jujitsu stuff. We had some yeah. Russian guys that were training. Oh, some sambo guys. Calgary. Some sambo guys that uh-huh. would come in. My dad had uh, a wrestling school uh, slash I guess it was like a hockey school, but yeah. because we had the ring up there, uh, a lot of their guys would come up and they was they would train. They would train. I guess it would be like sambo and catch wrestling, yeah. and and. Um, me and TJ and Harry, Harry did amateur wrestling in school. I did amateur wrestling for four years, but I never competed because I always had hockey tournaments. Yeah. I was a hockey player, so hockey conflicted with, with the with the tournaments. But I did wrestle for about probably four years. Uh, just like I, I always thought I was would have been a really good amateur wrestler. I always did well in practices, but just I never got, uh, I never had a match. I was a boxer for years. Yeah. I boxed for four years. I won the Golden Gloves and provincial boxing championships a couple times i think i had 13 or 14 amateur fights and i lost two and won the rest which isn't a huge amount of fights but once you get punched in the face at a young age and you, you understand the principles of boxing i yeah. was i was a fantastic boxer not trying to blow smoke up my own ass but i was a fantastic boxer just it beats up your face and it's like yeah well once you get once you get punched in the face a few times it, it, it's not you, you know you yeah. Pretty soon, it's like, uh, eh, oh, whatever. It's like, it's not, it's not scary, you know. Like no, that's the I thing that myself being able to take a punch. I've never been knocked out in my life, so I and I've been, I've been sucker punched and I've been in enough bar fights, not a lot, but I've probably been in twenty street fights where I still have my teeth and like I, nothing's worse than a street fight than a bar fight. For I mean, I were, probably did it to myself wearing some ridiculous outfits to cowboy hick bars and uh, Calgary and Edmonton and like Indian reservations and different places where I used to wrestle tour doing small shows. So, but I was, uh, the boxing saved me for years. Even to this day, I still have really good hands. So same with wrestling punches. I just, because I was, you know, Ted, I, when I said that, when I, when I introduced you, like I wasn't just blowing smoke. I, I, I to me, you're the most athletically gifted one of any of the hearts I've seen. Like, I think that Owen was that person, and then you know, and then you came. Um, you, I always say trying to uh, trying to take. I mean, you think about the guys I had to watch, and if I watched you, and I watched Ray, and I watched Kidman, and I watched Dimalenko, and we'll say like Benoit, and say Flash Funk or yeah. Scorpio, and Mark Merrill when he was there, like, and then you got Dynamite and Tiger Mask, and. and say like there's there's a list of guys that i could say i had to try to do a little bit of what everyone was doing and then add to it otherwise to me if you don't not saying better but if you haven't advanced and evolved the sport uh considering you're the next generation of guys i don't think you did your homework properly or you you didn't do the right training so that was something for me was the pressure of being uh, Teddy Hart was incredible, and I, I, I'm starting to look back and watch old videos now and a lot of highlights and stuff, but I tell fans, please go back and watch, because talk is cheap, and you could you could talk about all the stuff you did, but if you don't have enough video library to back it up, then it's just words, but if you can go back and watch, I always think I was uh, a guy who risked his life and did as much as I possibly could, probably too much, uh, maybe at the wrong times and stuff. <laughs> scared the boys. But I mean, I, I always thought it was something of like a pride issue, like you did yeah. too. I think we always wanted to work hard, and we always wanted to steal the show. And, sure. Uh, if guys are watching in heaven, because half the guys I got to train with, or I wanted to aspire to be like, or wanted a pat on the back, were passed away by the time. Like Benoit saw me wrestle 
like a couple times he came up to Calgary and trained with us. And he trained with me and Jack. And yeah. I, I think Jack Evans, maybe he's one of, maybe Benoit said he was the greatest bumper he'd ever seen. He said, I've never seen a better bumper, a guy that can make you look good and take the head bumps in like every twist. Not a quality and- I want to be known for, just to be <laughs> honest with you. God. And so, I mean, we always, uh, the most of the guys I got to train with or wanted to, like I say, aspire to be, weren't dead. So I would, yeah. say if they're not been watching, I think they'd be proud of the work ethic I had sure. in the ring. Maybe I, maybe uh, change my style a little bit now, try to get more longevity out of it. I didn't understand yeah. what the boys used to say with less is more, and I do now. And there's a time and place for stuff, and also just uh, you can only crash your car into the wall so many fucking times before the car doesn't work as well. So I, I've been yeah. trying to modify my style to to get more mileage so I can still say, you know, at 55, 60, 70, maybe you never know with science technology and all the, uh, the information we have on, on longevity and stretching and stuff that so could be resting till I'm, you know, at least 60 years old. Oh, easy. Mm. Maybe even more, Teddy. <laughs> Just never no know. Freaking. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're bringing the cats with you. The cats give me, they give me their lives, right? They pass on their, they're good energy to me. The poor hey. cats are looking at me like, what's this fucking idiot jumping off a cage for? Teddy, so back when you guys did this, the Matt Rat stuff, uh, okay, Matt Rats was uh, was like, a, it wasn't a promotion so much as it was a TV show, right? Yeah, it was a pilot that started and then um, it was right after Eric Bischoff was, I think after WCW was closing down and we had a number for Eric Bischoff, and Eric Bischoff was good friends with Jason Hervey and yeah. Mark Iadanza, which is Tony Danza's son. <laughs> they were working with, uh, I think it was Fusion Media, and then they had the deal with uh, Mandalay and yeah. Mandalay and Viacom, I think. So they we ended up doing basically like a show set up to sell to these networks, which would have been like an MTV gave us some rights to their music. We had to buy like individual songs or we got like a package deal that we got to use like a certain amount of their videos with in conjunction with each one of the wrestlers. So yeah. they would, each wrestler would represent a certain genre. And then, um, yeah, but what was the concept? Up. Like who, like who came up with the concept and, and, and how it, uh, be, became a being about young, about like, you know, it was, was there an age limit? I think it was like 17 to 21. No, it, yeah, it was like, it was, it's something that it was, it was my idea to start training kids after WWE let me go. When I was yeah. 18, I got let go, but WWE had given me quite a bit of money. Uh, and I was obviously a, a fuck, not, not the most, uh, I'm a smart guy, but I didn't make the most intelligent decisions when I was yeah. in WWE. I was all by myself and I was pretty scared. And, um, but my talent was there. And I, I guess some of the people in Calgary had, realized I'd lost a golden opportunity but at that time you can you can expand or do other things or or recreate and try to you know put yourself in another spot to be successful so instead of dwelling on I was pretty bummed out and uh, not feeling good and didn't want to wrestle anymore and I thought I'd start training kids and I trained a bunch of kids say for six months and they were so good the kids that we started doing the stampede wrestling shows for for bruce and ross and this guy was there filming for them and he said i'd rather film you guys than watch you guys than watch a bunch of these guys uh from the dungeon that are the shits and that are not they're not very entertaining them they're doing kids shows so he put up the money raised 1.2 million dollars publicly through a bunch of oil and gas investors built a building for us got the rings the lights and then we did a pilot we brought in eric bischoff and the matches were quite choreographed, which was smart. I mean, we had a, we knew he was coming, so why not plan and prepare? These kids are, these kids were so phenomenal with 
with a week to plan each match that we blew Eric Bischoff away and uh, did a lot of really cool moves. The first time I'd ever seen a 6.30 done or like a double backflip or like... Uh, we, the, the mess, the, basically the hype was a bunch of hot young girls in a building, like a little rave type of atmosphere and uh, really good music, really good lights, some stages so the guys could do dives off balconies and stuff like that yeah. and uh, model it to a younger audience, which had never been done. And with the music as a combination to catch the people's eye and then the really good wrestling and the really good highlight reels. It was like the first time I'd seen some really good highlight reels. Besides the WWE production, this was like top-notch production. Hey, Ted, a lot of money on. Ted, didn't you guys have these little platforms on top of the ring posts? Yeah, <laughs> I was the first. That was my idea. I yeah. designed these platforms. They were supposed to be they were supposed to be more like trampolines on top of the rings, but mm, we couldn't gotcha. get the welding done properly. So we had actually come up with another ring that had skateboard ramps off the corners. Oh, like wow. We designed these little skateboard ramps off the corners. And we had uh, trampoline strips that were going to pop out kind of like a folding table from underneath the ring. Yeah. Like on an airplane, you have like those fucking little tables that are on the front of the seat that you can pop out and then you can put them back down. That was the concept we were going to oh, do, wow. but we never got to that level because it was, we got all the way up to the deal. We, we signed a big deal, deal for TV and we had pay-per-view and everything set up. But the day Eric Bischoff flew down to sign the deal was the day 9-11 happened. Nobody really knows that, and that's what happened. Matt Ratz got put on hold because 9/11 happened. Mm. It was a world tragedy, and uh, it, it just put a, Matt Ratz didn't get put on hold. The world got put on hold, man. Yeah, every, Damn. Yeah, every, everything got changed that day. Everything wow. Changed, you know. And so Jack, no one really Jack knows was that story. Oh yeah, the story. Oh, so yeah. Well, I mean, no. so that's well, yeah, that's that's what had happened, and then it took three years to get it put back on TV, and. Um, at that time, Wrestling Society X started coming up with an idea, yeah. which was basically like a copy of of Matt Ratz, because Jason Hervey had taken his concept and gone to Kevin Kleinrock and had gone to uh, Houston Alexander, I think his name was. You remember? Houston you Curtis. That, all that stuff. Houston and Curtis. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, he was the guy. He owned that other company, right? What was his name? Uh, Houston Alexander? That no, it's it's Houston Curtis. And he... Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they took the concept and modified it and um, did an okay job with it. I remember you saying there was a bunch of things you thought could have changed and it would have made them uh, much more successful. And same with Vampiro had said some yeah. things, but it, they didn't seem to listen to the to the guys that knew and Sean <clears throat> knew very well exactly what what he had said. I think if he had if they followed Sean's advice on certain things with the show and cutting certain guys off the show that were okay instead of making it a friend system, I think they could have got a a much stronger roster of guys considering it was for TV and some much better bands yeah. uh, to play and would have made a way better impact on the, on the way the show was taken. But I mean, they did that and Graham, Graham Owen turned out to be, uh, and sadly, but he was flying marijuana in with airplanes at the, uh, at the time to make the money for the mat rats. And we didn't really know this as, at the, you know, we were all kids, you know, 19, 20, 21. And I grew a lot of weed in the States at that time so I had licenses and I, I was aware of the price of marijuana from Canada to the States. And I always questioned kind of how he raised his money and how he got his money. And it turned out when he came down to visit uh, for Wrestling Society X, the actual day of the taping, he flew down from uh, Calgary to Los Angeles, him and another guy, two pilots that I had known. And I'd introduced them to each other because they were supposed to work together. The guy was uh, looking for air, looking for time in the air. So if he got time in the air, he would get, I guess, a better job with Air Canada or Delta. But you need to, you get to like fly these little planes and you learn about the, the, the business of being a pilot, I yeah. guess. And then you get more hours, the more hours you have, I guess, the better job you can get later. So 
those two got arrested at the airport and charged under the Patriot Act for uh, acts of terrorism for being for flying marijuana into the states. And they did, I think they got 10 years each. Wow. And that was the day of Wrestling Society X, the day it started filming. So me and Jack and uh, Tyson Kidd, obviously, he was going to WWE at the time, I think. He was just about to go to... Um, Florida? I think it would have been Deep South. Oh, yeah, Deep South. Deep South at the time. Him and Harry and Natty went to Deep South yeah. because Jack and I were signed to Wrestling Society X contracts. We couldn't go to WWE at the time, and we had to stay, and they were expecting to do three seasons for Wrestling Society X, so we thought we were in a good spot. And Well, we were uh, hoping to get the second... Teddy, we were hoping to get the second season at least because the, yeah. the truth is, like, okay, the numbers weren't, like, off the charts, but they were strong numbers. Mm. And it they were was... Still the, pretty strongly. DDCW the first two weeks, I think, in the ratings. Yeah. And still had pretty strong ratings. Yes, and, and, and the problem, the main problem was, was the program director uh, at MTV had changed, and the person was not just... They, they weren't interested mm. in us at all. They were just ready at with a head roll. Like, yeah. there, was, there was a huge change up top yeah, of MTV. Yeah, because, Teddy, I don't know if you remember this, but it, I don't know if it's how it played up, like, where in Canada, if you were up there when they actually played that on MTV. At one point, they just played them all back-to-back just to get over, mm-hmm. get it over with. Like, yeah. they just wanted done with also, it. Also, they cut a bunch of the spots out that they said were dangerous. Also, the fireball got turned into some video game-looking fucking yeah. kind of, like... Fire like from a street fighter yeah. fucking video game or some shit. I remember there was a bunch of stipulations. Hey, didn't you zap somebody? Didn't you electrocute somebody? I mean, yeah. I killed the fan. I killed the referee or something, and yeah. I electrocuted Nate Webb with a fucking thing. And then uh, we did a couple other. The ring blew up. That was like the big thing that mm, the ring blew yeah. up the last match. Hey, do you remember at the? Uh, do you remember the uh, when we did the pilot? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> Do you remember when oh. New Jack showed up with the crack dealer with the purple suit on <laughs> in oh. that hundred and five oh. temperature, and this guy standing out in the heat, like with the suit on? And oh man, New Jack Fuck. was New Jack was classic. People are like, there. Some people are horrified by New Jack. I'm a huge New Jack fan, in spite He's of always nice mm, to me. You, I yes, and to me, and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I have bad to say about There's it. I mean, not... people have all sorts of shit to say about me, and sometimes I'm sure uh, good and bad. And but if you meet the guy, I'm always polite. Respect's given. If you give me respect, I'll always give you respect back. New Jack's, I think, one of those guys that if you're if you're polite to him and you're nice to him, he's not going to go out of his way. But if you have a bit of an attitude, yeah. he wants to check you. He's definitely going to be someone that I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want on my bad side or pissed off at a show because he's he's pretty crazy. Yeah, I beat up Brian Nobbs a few years back. <laughs> so what's up with this guy? He was pretty suit? tough, though, New Jack, wasn't he? I get, you know, I mean, I imagine. You know, you get that yeah, impression anyways, don't you? Enough to stab you or something. Sure. It's just like some people are willing to go to greater lengths than other people. I mean, that's part of it right there. You know, I mean, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Ted, um, that was some interesting stuff, that, that WSX. Hey Ted, a lot of people don't know. Actually, probably most people don't know that you and I lived together. We like we, you know, we're down in Mexico together for a long time. That was that I was. I think some... I fucked you over on a protein powder or something. You gave me like a hundred dollars to buy some protein powder. And I got the wrong flavor on your. <laughs> he probably did it on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, Teddy. It's a hundred bucks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you help me out many times down there, and always and bought my meals, and took really good care of me and Jack, and were were oh, kind of like a kind of like a big brother to me down there. I was 
I know you had. Uh, I know you tried to get me and Jack in WWE a couple times. You'd put us over to Johnny Ace. Yeah. They ended up going with uh, Mystico instead. But I remember you were the one that got the other Mystico a job. You you, you bragged about how good he was. The one from Warrens. Yeah. I remember when Johnny Ace called you that yeah. you were on speakerphone and you, Sen- you Sen- put Cara. some names out mm. there to him and you, yeah. uh, you put some names out there to him. And I remember how uh, thinking how powerful your word was because right after you said it, they signed him. And I still say that to this day was. Uh, I'm not trying to trying to get a job, but I don't like to do too many podcasts. And I, I canceled last week because I I was really looking forward to doing a podcast, and I wasn't in the best headspace because because of gem passing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I was dealing with some problems with my car and where I was staying, and so I just I, I wanted to do something where I was in the right headspace. I did a shoot interview like three weeks ago, and I was fucking miserable, and I was in a bad mood, and uh. Harry kept me waiting like four hours, and the shoot interview was. The shits. It's one of the few ones I canceled. Actually, I, I had them just shut the tape off after like an hour and a half because I wasn't, I wasn't in the right spot to be answering questions. And sometimes if you're, if you if it's a, if it's a bad day, wait till it's a better day and talk right. you're in a better perspective to things. Because the last thing you want to do is be held on tape or on you know on record. And I've been I've been subject to be where maybe I said too much before or I was having you know it was certain things came across about guys where I wish I could go back and say something and and maybe mention more positive things about it because uh, this business is one of those things that I'd rather be known as the guy that told the truth but also to try to find a brighter side to every situation because it's a nasty ugly business and it's a fucking brutal it's a fucking terribly ugly world but at the same time it's a beautiful beautiful business and it's a fucking unbelievable planet and it's uh a wonderful thing to be a wrestler at certain times, and it's like some days you're happy, and it's I mean it's the it's the roller coaster of life, and try to get uh, the right message across to the fans. When you are given a time to speak, uh, make sure you have something nice to say about people, and try to stay positive. And I'm not trying to suck guys' dicks and kiss asses and be one of those guys either, but I think like there's usually a way of saying things that gives everyone a, a positive spin instead of being a guy that's just bitching and crying about spilt milk and fucking complaining about this and this and this. Um, Teddy, mention the things that are going to be nice and make people happy and remember your name and put a positive yeah. taste in your mouth. And that just comes and that just comes with the, with, with maintaining a positive attitude. Like, I mean, and, and yeah, sometimes we have a shitty day, Ted. And, and man, it's so nice to hear you say that you, you, you think about that now, and and uh, and you don't want you don't want that to be like immortalized forever. Like your the words you would say on on a, on a shitty day like that, you know. Um, uh, Teddy, I mean, you know, every like people that know about you know like that. You, you know, obviously about you know your struggles and like they know about mine. Um, and it just seems like lately, man, things have uh, you've. Uh, gotten a lot more stable for you, huh? This has been year two of of not smoking weed, and it's been four years without doing any GHB. Which uh-huh. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be straight up and talk. I've never done cocaine before. I never took painkillers, and I've I've never done like I never did speed or any like the real hard drugs. I never did. I've done ecstasy before back in the day. I mean, I used to go to raves and hang out with all sorts of girls and party and. But certain drugs would have killed me. My personality, I, I have a, an addictive personality. Bruce Lee had a rule, know yourself. Yeah. And if you know yourself, and I was around drugs enough and sold marijuana a lot. And as a drug dealer, we'll say as a marijuana dealer, I never really sold any hard drugs. But as a marijuana dealer, uh, the drug premise is don't get high on your own supply. And if it's a drug that you can't give to your friends, I don't want to sell it. 
And if I have people coming back and selling their fucking baby carriage and their rings to buy drugs, that's not a drug I want to represent. Yeah. So I was always aware of what drugs I could get away with doing. And GHB at the time seemed to be something good that I was using to help me sleep. And then, like anything else, too much kills you. And it, it probably took five to seven years off my career where I wasn't in the right headspace and I didn't really care if I made the booking or not. Or I would rather just stay home and fucking and party and hang out and sleep or uh, you know, go to bars and, and fucking hang out with girls and uh, do whatever I guess I was doing for years. And I, I lost some really good years for anyone out there, yeah. kids and guys out there. you got to be really careful with that type of stuff because something that starts off as a small habit turns into a huge monster nightmare. Yeah. And it, it affected my relationship with Conan and my reliability uh, with promoters. And it, it put a black... I mean, you got to be honest with things. You can do these interviews and try to live in a fucking in a fairy tale fantasy world or talk about things that were were not accurate but then your validity your word goes to shit and then yeah. i think in shoot interviews i'm one of the guys that's the most honest with stuff and hard on himself and i i'm trying to forgive myself now for time wasted and i'm 38 years old and i did a wwe uh show two nights ago where i just showed up after the show and it was so nice to see how many people came up to me and said they'd watch my tapes and they'd listen to my interviews and shoot interviews and podcasts and that they they had some so much respect for me that uh, because I told the truth and said you're always honest and uh, and you did so many moves and innovated so much stuff that you yeah. set a measuring stick for wrestlers all over the world and that that don't don't forget who you are kind of thing and I thought at least that was kind of like a some some closure for me where I was I've been bitter not bitter so much with the business but bitter with certain things in my own like looking in the mirror and having to swallow maybe I shouldn't have said that or maybe I yeah. could have done it a different way and nothing's worse than trying to fucking you can't go back in time and change it and you just fucking mull it over and over and over and you drive yourself nuts so I've been trying to find uh, ways to get closure and forgiveness and and go back and thank people that I maybe should have thanked or go back and say sorry to people that I didn't say something good about I yeah. said something only bad about instead of saying something good you should be able to find something good in almost everybody in yeah. the business because we work together and we're supposed to be a family and a team there's certain guys that are real fucking assholes out there but maybe just better not to even mention them because yeah. so, uh, there's so many other guys you can say something nice about you, you took five yeah. minutes to say something about somebody who's a piece of shit yeah. and then instead of that time you could have said something about somebody nice so Ted so, so, you know there, you were, we're never going to be able to make amends to everyone to go and find every single person we pissed off or said something screwed up to or whatever. Like the, like the best thing we can do is just, is just you know, uh, put ourselves out there doing the, living our great life, you know, and and yeah. and and doing the right thing now, and and people will see that, Ted. And, and the word gets around quick. I know because it ha it's happened with me. Because, like, Teddy, you know, you could talk, like, I can totally relate to you, man, when you talk about wasted years. And, and really the best, like, what people consider our best years, right? Like our 20s yeah, and even in our 30s, right? Like, shit, man, I wasted almost my whole decade in my 30s. I won't say wasted. Because I'm here now, and like I have all these experiences that make me who I am today. But, but man, like I, that's a lot of time that we can never get back. And I could spend a lot of time like beating myself up over it, or get over it. Like, and I've chosen to get over it, man. I just here's the thing: is we know that like, okay, uh, it's never too late, you know. But it's later than we think. That's all. 
you know and because it was one of you're one of the guys i really wanted to talk to about this specific subject because you're one of the guys that fought for his life and came back i think stronger smarter classier yeah. uh, and 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 one of the most well-liked guys that people wanted to do more for but you can't you can't drag a horse to the water and make it drink we had to come to this realization in our own time and want to heal ourselves and, and take the proper yeah. steps to to be relied to be relied on again and to be sometimes people don't want to see it because it's a tragic story almost yeah. like, i don't want to be remembered as a tragic story or the guy that had the most potential in wrestling history you never Good, made Teddy. it it's like I, I i always hope that Guys Good. like you, Sean, can go, hey, listen to the people you know, because you know the most powerful people in wrestling. I've never asked for a job. I never sent a tape into WWE uh, ever. I've never sent the tape or tried to write a letter or showed up at a show in the back. In 20 years, I've never showed up in the back of a WWE locker room trying to get in just to right. talk to the guys. I meet them at the hotel or I'll go to their houses or something. But it's it, to, the, to me, this time now, I, I put a message out where I know Triple H is your friend and I know Shawn Michaels is your friend and I know Kevin Nash is your friend and Razor Ramon is your friend and these guys they're they're guys you don't bullshit you know what I mean and when you're when I ask somebody I wanted to be in a spot where I could say this is the best shape I'm in obviously yeah. I'm a little older but mentally and physically and spiritually this is the best place I've been in I've yeah. been humbled I spent a year in jail I, I've learned to shut my mouth uh, and also speak when it's meant to be I mean there's a time and place to you can't always just be a fucking puppet or yeah. shut your mouth and not say anything but or a yes man but at, there's a time and place to express your opinion and to shut the fuck up and just work with guys and make to make the promoters happy show up early on time uh you know do my job to be relied on as a, as yeah. a normal person in wrestling that's it's a change man being a change man it's a hard thing nobody fully changes but you remember where you had weaknesses and then to really concentrate on doing things that people are going to go this guy's learned his lesson yeah. uh, he can be trusted or relied upon and i say this to you the reason i took this interview was to tell you that because I saw you do certain things, it showed me that it could be done. And I watched you in Mexico, and you still went out there, and fuck, your knees were sore. I remember, and you're you were wrapping your knee, and you still went out there, and you like you gave me and Jack a bunch of offense and took stuff. And that was the first time where anyone in the world ever got to see the Hart Foundation versus a member of DX, like the first yeah. like where TJ and Natty were doing stuff with Sean and Triple H on TV and Harry. Uh, but I never got that opportunity. So you were the closest thing I ever got to, to, to making that rivalry happen or to take advantage of the situation. And you were like my brother. Brett always said you were like the heart found. You were like the, the inside guy kind of that he, sure. he always considered you like the go-between. That you, could, you were the one guy that everybody liked. It's so hard to be on both sides without being a fence rider. But because you were it's so tough, smart. And man. You were, it's tough. And I was compliment, dude. I was talking because Harry, Harry was on the other week, not last week, but the mm. week before, and and we were talking about that, like when the whole Montreal Screwjob thing happened and all of that, and I was just feeling like for you, like for for you guys were still really young back then, you know, and Brett's kids because they all loved us, they, you know, all you guys like yeah. they, you know, they didn't know like okay, like these guys are like. You know, yeah. You know my family, and and uh, you know there's heat there. They just you guys, and so when all that shit happened, I felt really bad, and I thought, man, that must be really awkward and, and messed up for you guys as kids. That whole thing, I think, uh, I won't say cost me years of my career, but it definitely affected the unity of our family plus the WWE family because I think Brett and Sean were good friends before that, and yeah. it put guys like you in an awkward spot yeah. and. That whole that whole rift. I mean, 
the the stuff with WCW where some of your friends left and went there, and then Brett going after and uh, hitting Vince, I think was one of the worst things that ever happened in wrestling history. I say this to this day. I mean, if I could go back in time and change maybe two things, I would probably ask for my my young brother not to have the flesh eating yeah. virus and to be given an opportunity to wrestle with our family and for Brett probably not to to have it would have been that or to have Owen in a different spot but I think Brett that situation caused not on on purpose but it caused Owen to end up in that situation too where it's like a ripple effect yep. and like a lot of the ripple effects like where, where Davey wasn't in the right headspace after he tried to make his comeback but he's by himself and Jim uh, suffered definitely from not being in the WWE system because the structure in WWE compared to WCW at the time, you know, WCW was pretty wild and there was, it wasn't the same thing. Guys could do whatever they wanted. They're making a lot more money, yeah. doing a lot less stuff. So the ripple effect of that Montreal screw job fucked everybody over huge. And it, I mean, I was 18. I was the youngest guy in the world to ever sign in WWE. And that was when I was signed was right after Brett punched Vincent. It was a really weird place to be. And I never got to have any time with my family. I saw Owen once, I think. And then uh, I was released for, for being a fucking idiot and, young and stupid and not taking advantage of a golden opportunity but i think if i had my uncles there uh the, you know protecting me or even someone like you kind of so but i wasn't on the road but i didn't have any guys to to tell me what to do or to take me under their wing or show me steve regal actually was the one of the few guys that tried to kind of help me out and steer me in the right direction yeah. I, I had said something on a shoot interview before and it came across wrong because the way they cut these interviews sometimes but he, he was actually one of the nicest guys in the world to me, and he, he helped me out and told me what not to do. And, of course, I'm one of those guys that has to learn the fucking hard way, and he said not to do this, this, and this. And, of course, I did this, this, and this, and then wondered why I ended up in the situation I was in. But <laughs> Still there? I can be like, this is, uh, this is where I made mistakes, and this is where I can... I can learn to fix it, and I wish certain things didn't happen, but I can only try to fix the future, and I think that's one thing with talking to you is I wanted to tell you that I, I took some pages out of your book and tried yeah. to heal myself and go to rehab and, yeah. and get get clean and, and come back as a different person yeah. so I could make fans happy. And, and all the guys like James, who was like a big fan of mine for years, who spent a like, James for obviously you guys, I don't know if you know who James is. for Is James an on character, or is this, he just helped with the... Uh, no, I'm, I'm, here. I'm here sitting on the couch <laughs> taking notes. So. Yeah. James was a guy that believed in me and helped me out years ago, and I heard he was with you. I was so happy because his dad had taken me into his home and treated me like family, and then he had called me and said his dad had passed, and I I was bummed out about that, and then the next day Jim had passed. It was yeah. like back-to-back, -back and then he said he was working with you and he wanted to do a podcast, and I was like, uh, if it's with Sean, I said, I'll do it. I said, I, I love Sean. He's one of my favorite guys in wrestling. And I said, I've had a lot of in, in, little experiences with Sean that are kind of private moments that we had in Mexico and different things, yeah. like with the Hoovy shit and like with Jack and like stripper. Oh, and, like, yeah. Like, All this, the Hoovy like, stuff. We're, shit. We're pretty, and I, I just always thought, I'm like, we're pretty close. And I always, I'm like, if there's anyone that could actually talk to you, and I say this again, Triple H is a guy I never met. I never met Triple H in all my years, and like I thought he did a great job with WWE. I thought he did an unbelievable job with with the cards he had, and to get to the top and to run the business and to keep his spot and to to rarely ever get injured for how much work he did. And like Brett doesn't like him, and Brett says bad stuff, and then it's like it's a reflection of the Hart family because Brett sort of speaks for the family. It's like Brett doesn't speak for fucking me though, and I, I know I'm not a guy that's trying to kiss ass or like I want to go kiss Triple H's ass or Stephanie's ass or, or Shane's ass. But, I always liked Shane McMahon. He was always nice to me. Stephanie McMahon was always very nice to me. 
And I never got, I never got to talk to Triple H or knew him. And yeah. I'm like, well, if there's one guy that could at least tell the truth and say, listen, I know Teddy for 20 years, and like this is the cleanest I've seen him, or the clearest I've seen him, or the, you know, the most sensible. And like, I really want a job in WWE someday, even as a trainer or something. And like that's yeah. my goal. Where like before, I never really cared. I just wanted to do. I wanted to survive and be known as a guy for indie wrestling kind of legends that worked the hardest and made guys have to compete and, and, and climb up and do cool shit off the top ropes and to carry on the name that way. But you want some closure on your career. I'd love a doll made. I'd love to be in a pay-per-view someday. And like besides Mexico, I never had that opportunity. And AAA is amazing. And it's, it's a great place to stay alive and to work. But it's, there's only one WWE out there, Sean. Yeah. You know that better than anybody, right? So, sure. Well, Ted, here's, here's the thing, Ted. Like, okay, man, you just keep doing what you're doing. Keep showing up to and 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 and, and people and people keep hearing good things. Uh, you know, you'd be surprised what happens, man. Because and, and and you're talking about like your story, Teddy. You're like write your own story, man. Don't let other people tell your story for you. It's that's your freaking story man and 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 you can and you can choose the ending it doesn't have to be a shitty ending you know it's up to it's up to us and uh and and you and it's amazing man when we're doing the right things no matter how effed up some of the shit we've done is like people will start coming back around and run and want and want to be on the on the teddy hard train it's crazy man sean it's uh yeah, it's it's a fucking battle every day to stay positive and to deal with to, to deal with the, the the cards that God gives you. Right? Yeah. You, you, it, life's a casino, and if you quit and you fold, then might as well get a gun and shoot yourself in the fucking head and tap out. And I, I never tapped out in life. I keep. I just want fans to know that are guys that are in wrestling that are in a dark spot or that have had struggles and stuff. There's a brighter day if you don't stop and if you keep going. Yeah. I listen to a lot of motivational speeches now. and I go to the gym instead of listening to rap music and like you know and try to get pumped up. I listen to guys talk about their journey and their struggle to get to a spot yeah. where they're happy with life and they can look in the mirror and uh, and and be, I guess, um, aware of where they were and how they got there and how to never be there again and to be yeah. in a spot where down the road. Uh, people that are my friends and fans can go, man, I, I really could live through him now. I can live through his experiences and his story. And the guy's a fucking fighter. I, I fight for my life every day. Yeah. I try to go out there to maintain uh, a certain look in the gym, go to the gym every day, try to eat healthy, and to make the comeback count. Nothing's worse than a comeback yeah. when you see the guy and he's fat, and he's lazy, and he's out of shape, but he's trying to milk on the name he had before. And it's like, I wanted my name to get bigger and better and to make this comeback count. So talking to you, and I say this again, like, I know who you are in this business and I know how much your word means and you don't vouch for anybody unless they earned it. And that's why I say like, I, I asked Brett to vouch for me a couple of years ago and we don't have the best relationship and he's so busy with other things that I kind of looked at you as like one of the other uncles that I have, that if I can, if I can impress you with truth and you know, validity of actions yeah. speak louder than words and talk is cheap. And, and then go, hey, Sean, please, like, do whatever you can to put a word in for me. Ask Jericho the same thing. I'm like, give me a couple years. And this is, like, me telling you now, I'd like a year to, to keep going in the direction I'm going because this is the most indie bookings I've ever had. This is the most shows I've ever made without missing a show or being late or having any problems. So 
It's just like it's a it's a new life for me. It's a new life for me. It's it's strange being in a city like Philadelphia where I don't really know anybody, but yeah. I get to be a wrestler now. Before I was a part time wrestler. I never was a full time wrestler. Yeah. And I always had other ways of making money. Where now I have I have an understanding of the struggles guys have for being on the road, being away from their family. I have a new a new we won't say a sympathy or an but I have an empathy. I guess we'll we'll say for being a pro wrestler I, n- I never knew how hard pro wrestlers had to work to make that money and how, how their body breaks down and the, the the constant battle of trying to come up with new stuff and to stay motivated yeah and, i mean these are these are ways you reinvent well, yourself every couple of years you got to go out there and reinvent yourself as a wrestler and try to do new moves and come up with a way of making yourself relevant to this new fan base yeah teddy you always but you always kept yourself in really good shape and like amazing shape and also uh also, it, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling all this shit came kind of easy to you as far as you being a natural. I was lucky. Maybe too easy for for certain yeah. things where, you know, it's. I'm trying to go back to gymnastics now. I've been saying this for two years that I wanted to go back to gymnastics uh-huh. and really learn uh, to do my stuff that I used to do. I mean, I haven't cut out a lot yeah. of moves, but I cut out a couple of moves off the top just because... I was getting heavier, trying to put on some muscle, and I, I didn't know if it was worth the risk. But yeah. it's one of those things where I feel like when I when I take bookings now, um, I, I've tried to come up with some new moves. I, I think of myself as the most innovative wrestler in the world still to this day. I think I've invented the most moves ever, and I ask guys to watch like my top fifty-five moves and like top fifty-five anyway. like, moves. So, I'm sorry, I, Daddy. I think of myself as the most innovative wrestler ever. So and that's my claim to fame is at least that you can watch Teddy Hart steal some of my shit or modify it. And uh, just, it probably, I didn't, I, I probably didn't play stuff right, Sean. You know how it yeah, is. Like, it, sure, so, man. And, and, and now you learn with experience yeah. and trying to trying to last as long as you possibly can when and where to do stuff and to play stuff. And same thing with young guys. Of like, Sometimes there's... Uh, a way of doing things if you're the first match you don't need to do 40 things because yeah. it makes it hard for the guys that got to go out on the last two sh- you know the, yeah. the last two matches of the show a certain structure of the way the cards are set up yeah you used to be the guy teddy before. teddy you used to be the guy that didn't give two shits about who had to go on after you you were getting <laughs> oh, your shit in man i have a lot of guys asses and it cost me money it cost <laughs> me my job I'm, I'm sure that was one of the reasons in ring of honor that got me a lot of heat you was, but real, but think about it this way, Ted. Okay, in spite of all like those crazy things that people, when they talk about you from like in the cr- crazy times, like you know, people still booked you, and you still got work, and you were still like the people still wanted to see you. So, like, like that goes to show you how how really really good you must be, man. If people are willing to put up with that shit. So can you imagine now like that once people uh, get to know that Teddy Hart's like a joy to be around now in the locker room and it's great to have him on the shows and you know he's cooperative in the matches and like can you imagine then like the, the, you're gonna be like pretty high demand, Ted. I, Sean, I, I beg you, and I, I rarely ask anyone for anything in this world. If it's the truth, and you see it, and it's my reputation by by working hard and uh, consistency of behavior, my dad always talked about it, and I had problems with that where I was inconsistent yeah. sometimes. 
I love your dad. BJ, I love your dad, by the way. Please give him my love. Your mom and your dad, both. I was doing your podcast. He he told me, I told him today I was doing your podcast, and he said, well, you understand who Sean is. He goes, there's probably not a guy closer to Vince and those guys. He goes, Shane, he goes, nobody, dude, you, you went, you've told me stories of stuff that you've done and guys you know and where no one else is around, just you and that guy in a hotel or relationships you've cultivated over the years. You truly are, you are their family and they protected you, but you are one of those guys like me that sometimes just wants to do it your way or wants to go on your own. And when it's time, you'll call to let them know you're safe. But you did, you're, you're like, I think you and I are very similar on that level where we, we march to the beat of our own, our own drum. And now it's for me to go, Hey, like, listen, um, it's not bad to march to the beat of someone else's drum once in a while, Ted. Mm exactly and there's especially a if they got a good beat I'm going listen, like whatever i can do to make people trust me and to to get to a spot where maybe i get that call someday and i i, I hope that by not saying what i want it's like another reason for people to say yeah. fuck him now Just, we really know what he wants but it's like I, don't worry I, I have to put it out there that this is my i have a certain amount of years left good years left and um I would like I'd like something good to happen. I'd like the guys that are in power, and I know who you are as a talent scout. And you don't have to be a WWE agent to be a WWE agent, and because your word means so much. You are one of the most talented wrestlers in the history of wrestling, Sean. You recognize talent where some other guys are looking for other variables. They're looking for the big guy, or they're looking for you know a guy that's got a, a, a character or certain certain look. Where I think you are one of the guys that directly represents talent. This guy can go. This guy's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he can go, and he's changed his attitude, hey. and his, his mindset's different, and he's someone you can rely on who's going to show up and not be fucked up or not get caught with drugs or can pass a piss test now or can can, can put a guy over if that's what I they can definitely to pass whoever. a piss test. You know? <laughs> yeah, me too. That's one of the things. Like I said, when hey, I saw t- you at the show, I was so happy to see that you – you were in a spot where you told me you're always honest. If you're fucked up or you're not feeling good, you'll be the first one to say this is where I'm at or whatever. But when you you told me you were this is the best you're feeling and you're happy, and I was like, oh, dude, I'm in the same spot. Thank God we got there at the same time because it gives me someone to talk to. I don't try to to bother guys too much, but now that I have your number again and like I can talk to you like just once or twice a month just to talk to you and get some advice and perspective and to just to say hi and I love you and thanks to it's nice to have someone that cares and I consider family because I don't have too much family left especially after Jim dying you do have I spent more time with you Sean than almost anybody in my family I think for sure that's probably true Mexico and stuff it's it's you're and one of the guys that really has uh you're you're connected to the top people in this business and I never saw you use those people to get ahead you so, never, like, you dude, you did so much shit where you could have been trying to get a job and stay there and and be, and, and take advantage of situations or your friends. Where yeah. You always did it on your own. Well, you here's the thing it. about that, Ted, is I knew that I didn't have my shit together enough to go back there looking for a job. So, uh, and now that I do, I'm not in a hurry to go get a job there. So, like, that's the great thing. Um, if they want me, they know where they know how to get a hold of me. Uh, of course, uh, but. But Ted, you know, you do have some people that love you, man. Like I, like I talk to TJ about you sometimes. Like all, you know, your family loves you, man. Tyson Kidd is the fucking one of the toughest, coolest, uh, most real guys you'll ever meet in this business, and he's done a lot to help me out. When I was in jail, he paid for my lawyer. I know. He, he put money on my books. He took my calls every day. Yeah. And he was busy, and he was disappointed that I made some stupid decisions that I was 
you know, stuck in that position. And him and Natty, uh, they went way out of their way to help me out. And that's just like, I can't say enough good stuff about TJ and the struggle that he had as a kid and growing up, uh, you know, very poor and no one ever helped TJ out at all. He did it. Yeah. I mean, our family put him in a spot to be successful, but the, to be in that spot, you got to be very smart. You got to walk the walk, and you got to talk the talk. Yeah. You got to put out the work. I just and wanted I, I'm to. He's a harder working guy than TJ or, or Natty. Those are the two yeah. hardest working people in my life, and inspirations for me that if they could do it and, and go through all the shit they went through, and TJ's walking around after breaking his neck, should be dead, bitter and fucking angry and, and holding a grudge, and he went back and played ball and and made it possible for our family to keep their name alive. Imagine yeah. if he was causing problems and it was hard to deal with and yeah. wanted a lawsuit and it could have been a really ugly situation. That, 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 that most people die. Most people die that get that injury, by the way. I mean, he was basically almost like technically decapitated in a way. Yeah, he, I don't know how he did it. Like, yeah. for, I think it's because God protected and him because he's such a good person. And the strong neck. But I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, them... In, in in relation to help uh you know helping you get where you are right now because yeah i i didn't know know that and and it's and it's and it's really cool that uh you know that they still like you know were there because you know sometimes people just go oh, i've had enough you know and yeah. Uh, and yeah and and we don't forget those people we don't like i don't blame people for going eh, i've had enough uh at all but I, I never forget the ones that have that uh, you know hung Fuck in there, out. yeah. And so hey, let me let you guys in here uh, uh, in on this because I've monopolized this conversation for a while. Like before we go. Well, before we go, I just want to get your thoughts on the passing of Anvil. Um, I thought Jim was to me one of the nicest, funniest, coolest guys you'll ever meet. Like X Pac, when he's just so cool and always always there to talk after the show to have a beer with you and it was real gave you great great advice maybe certain things he he some guys practice what they preach where and it's like they're real straight and jim was always honest about everything and uh, said this is how to do it and maybe i'm not doing it this way but this is how to do it his advice was always sound on how to get to where he needed to be and he trained so goddamn hard he was so strong in the gym he was an inspiration for me that no matter what state of mind Jim was in? He was always he always went to the gym. He, he did, man. Went to the gym. Yeah, yeah. He, he so would go to strong, and people had no idea how strong Jim Neidhart was. He was a beast in the gym, and he was he loved animals. He was always so nice to the animals. He's one of the very first guys to get me into Persian cats, cats. breeding. And he yeah. told me about getting. Like, he was the first one to ever buy a Persian cat. So I mean, there's like small things. Like Jim was the first guy to ever come to a show with me. He did a show in Can Am when I was 17 years old, wrestling in a bar. And because Jim came, they put the belt on me. Same thing with G- uh, Jersey All Pro. Jim was the only one to ever have time to show up. And he, I mean, maybe because some of the other guys were had passed away already. But for whatever it was, Jim got on the airplane, showed up, helped me and Jack win our first tag team titles in ECW building. One of the highlights of my career. We sold out the building. Jim came and did a run in, and uh, he was a great he was a great father to Natty, especially. They spent so much time together. Uh, he was so proud of her. I, I watched a video last night, Natty. I was with the WWE girls last night, Natty and uh, Bailey and uh, another girl, Sasha Banks. They, they had pulled me aside to say how much they, they had watched and uh, my, my comeback and how impressed they were and how proud they were of me. And I said, one of the reasons I did this because, was because of guys like Jim and because of guys like you, Sean, where I wanted to be able to look you in the eyes and go, yeah. I, I finally figured it out. And I learned and I don't want to be... 
I don't want to be having those memories where I let people down that vouch for me or yeah. they believed in me or they saw my potential and I couldn't look them in. I couldn't, when I go to heaven, I don't want to be standing at the gates of purgatory with a bunch of guys going, what the fuck, dude, you should have figured it out after 25 years, 30, 40, 50 years or however long I get to live on this, um, you know, amazing planet for that, you know, there's a, t if you can't figure it out after a certain amount of time, uh, then something's wrong with you. And I didn't want to be one of those guys. And I, I thought Jim came and helped me out and he, he vouched for me, and Sean vouched for me, and there's certain guys that I wanted to be able to, to say thank you to and that I did learn and I did figure it out and that I stepped back on the horse of life and the horse of being a wrestler, and, and I'm trying to ride that horse without getting bucked off or without quitting. Hey, and Jim was a big, powerful man until the day he passed. He never looked like an old man. He always looked like Jim yeah. Nanville Neidhart, right? Yeah. Exactly. That was always that – was, I think he, he was – he was in a really good spot when he passed away. Yeah. He said he got to see his family, and he was close with Ellie again. And yeah. If they've had, they've had their years where Jim was on the road, or Jim was traveling, or Jim was gone, and uh, Ellie was the most loyal wife ever. Ellie's, you know, Ellie's like my inspiration for, yeah. for really everything I ever did in wrestling for the last say three years because I wanted to quit and just pack it in, and I lost everything in my divorce. And Ellie got on me huge and said that that Grampy wouldn't be proud of you, and Owen's watching, and that. If you ever need any help, she she's she helped me out so many times, and that was because Jim was such a big fan of mine that Ellie always said Jim considers you kind of like his his son because Jim never had any sons, so that he always considered you because I was the firstborn, and obviously Jenny's the secondborn. Where Jim, uh, he always took me under his wing, and uh, his passing it was one of the. I slept for three days after I was so sad, and then Natty said, "Stop, you know you can't." you got to celebrate his death and, and get up and fight. And, and he'd want you to go to the show and you don't need to come to the funeral. Uh, you have bookings. It's more important for you to take these bookings and, and to, to keep your, keep your name alive right. right now and keep our name alive and, and fight for your fucking comeback. And don't, don't, uh, don't use this as an excuse to go back down the, the dark path at all. And I, I, I was, I was, I was quite upset and sad and I had to look in the mirror and, and, and find that, uh, that positive side to things that Jim lived a wonderful life and that he had made a lot of people happy and that he was in a good spot and that he was successful for the last 10 years of his life. He'd done really well to, to get, to get into a spot where he was, he was clean and he was, he was, uh, you know, Jim had his own demons and had to go to rehab and deal with all sorts of stuff. And he, he fought for his life and he came back and did total divas and he was held accountable for a lot of stuff where other people would have, would have never put that on, on blast. We'll say they yeah. would never let that side be open. And Jim was, uh, open to the public about the, how I mean WWE rehab saved my life before too, and I think it saved Jim's life. And I I thank a guy named Bob Keeler. Yeah, Bob was one of the guys that sent me to the rehab program when I needed it. I was I was having problems with marijuana. It was really starting to become a problem. But the WWE rehab doesn't really accept marijuana as a as a problem. And GHB was stuff I, I had got off on my own but it was a, it was like a battle. I was my first year getting clean from it, so it was like the second year I think and. and I talked to Jim about it, and he said you could maybe just go to the rehab program and, and go there for a couple of months and, and see if it helps you get some closure. And you've dealt with a lot of death and a lot of uh, of weird situations that have happened. And it's hard to get it's hard to get help just by dealing with people you know. Go to somewhere else where these this is professional people that are strangers to you. But th that way you you have to be held accountable. You can't hide around people you're comfortable with. You can get away with things, or they won't call you on your <laughs> shit. And that was something that Jim told me to get. To, you know, to, to get my shit together and go to the right people and go to the proper places and make it count. This time I'd gone to rehab a couple times and just fucked around and 
was stretching and doing flips and didn't care about any of the stuff. That yeah, was, I know. I, I know you came through. You came through Menninger Clinic for a cup of coffee, Teddy. So I'm aware. That yeah, Menninger Clinic. I'm, an, I'm a Menninger Clinic alumni, so like that's why I know Teddy was there. Anyways, Ted, go ahead. Teddy, so Triple Mania is coming up August 25th, and I wanted to know if you had any predictions on who would be losing their mask. Are you talking about Triple A? Yes. Oh yeah, I, I'm on Triple Mania for this. It's coming up this week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah August 25th, right? Yeah, yeah. It's this Saturday. It's this Saturday, I, I believe. Yes. So I, I, I don't. I don't know yet. I I can't I can't say. I really don't know. I would if I if I told you this, it's going to sound bad. I don't I don't even know who's on the show. I just know that me and Jack and Guggen Tudor in a match against uh, I think Superfly, Averno, and somebody else. And Chessman. I've been traveling so much and dealing with what had happened with Jim for this last week. I haven't seen the card. And I'm not a I'm not a really big person on the computer, so let's it's it's, it's my own it's my own stupidity for not doing more homework on the card. But I could bullshit you and tell you something, and if they're not even in the match, I'm going to sound like a real horse's ass saying this guy. I hope he loses, <laughs> doesn't lose. His well, pass. the four way is Psycho I, I Clown, Pentagon Junior, Elijo de Fantasma, and Ali Park. So one of those guys would be losing their mask. Uh, probably is going to be Phantasma, I think. I don't think Pentagon's willing to take his mask off yet. I don't think L.A. Park is. I mean, unless the money's right. I heard they paid Wagner an unbelievable amount of money to lose. I hope he uh, got it up front. <laughs> Pardon me? I hope he got it up front. Oh, yeah, sure he did. Triple H money. Yeah. <laughs> we, we both work there. I mean, they've been really good to me this last round. That's they've been good. They've me out of Philadelphia, and... Uh, they're, they're paying me pretty good, so Conan's been uh, nice enough to give me an opportunity to go back there, and me and Jack are together again as a tag team, and I think we've uh, we've made a really good impact on coming back and bringing fans back to the building. That are pre- the fan- Mexican fans really seem to appreciate what Jack and I had done down there. I think we opened up wrestling for the uh, for two of the Americans, the best Americans, the best Canadians or North American guys to go down to Mexico and uh, to to really shine down there with with substance you can't go down to mexico and fuck around and not do any moves you got to go down there and really do do some cool shit and innovate some stuff otherwise they're just going to bring in other guys or those yeah but you can screw around on the house shows ted (laughs) those house show matches are goddamn brutal i've never seen worse matches in my entire life than than uh house show matches in mexico the worst ever (laughs) holy shit man but people just are just happy to see you in those small towns go ahead steve Um, Teddy, where else can, other than AAA on the 25th, where else can people find you and see you upcoming? Uh, I got GCW bookings a lot now. I'm working for GCW. I work with... Uh, Back with Court Bauer? Uh, no, that's MLW. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. You're working with him again too, right? Yeah, Court. I'm working with Court and Mr. St. Laurent from Florida. Yeah. And, uh, they're giving us a big push with the Heart Foundation. Me and my cousin Harry are back together as a team, which is really cool. We weren't a team. Uh, we were only a team in WWE when we were working in uh, FCW and uh, OVW for a little while. And we were a team then, and that was that was some of the best times I ever had in my life traveling with Harry and Natty as a team. But the uh, the new Heart Foundation is Brian Pillman Jr., which is. Uh, Brian's son, obviously, and yep. he's a really good kid with a lot of potential, and we're, we're kind of grooming him to be the next guy that probably, I, I think Vince will probably pick him up pretty soon. He's got a lot of, you know, a lot of charisma, really good look, nice kid, good attitude, doesn't do any drugs, uh, works out hard, so 
And I, I've been trying to get Harry, suggest to Harry that maybe he makes another run for WWE, but I think he's, he's good. doing injuries. Yeah, right now. he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I get the impression he's just fine right now. But, yeah, hey. he's happy doing indies because I think he gets to wrestle at a at a pace and style that he's he wasn't yeah. getting to do before. I think he's getting to show people how good he is. I think he's the best big guy ever. Really, he's just people haven't seen the full Harry Smith. But I think the more indie promoters book him, uh, like a Brian Cage too, where like Brian Cage is just phenomenal. Yeah. And knowing a lot of times they don't get to fully see what he could do until he did Lucha Underground, and then he really got to showcase. Hey. How amazing of a wrestler he was! Besides just a body guy, where Harry too, has got a he's so, got a great body, but he's a technical machine, and he's actually a pretty good high flyer for a big guy. He's learned the 450 again, Harry, and he's doing the backflip off the top now, a moonsault. So for a guy six five, six six, doing a backflip and a you know 450, and he's doing a I think he's got the backflip full twist kind of uh, in the back of his mind. He wants to pull that off. I don't know I, why I, the hell he'd want to do that, Ted. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Let you—that's your—that's. I've been getting in his ear now. I've been getting in his ear about stuff. He's wearing the crazy Teddy Hart suits now. He's got the lines in his hair. He looks like he's on a—he's on a warpath, Harry. So. <laughs> Teddy can show up. Teddy's gear, right, ring gear, he can wear out to the. It, it looks like like just some really fly like shit you wear on the street too. <laughs> hey Ted. I got a nice outfit last night. I wore to the uh, to the. To SummerSlam, I wore uh, a nice outfit there, some money pants and stuff. They kind of look like a pajamas slash hey, like tracksuit. Hey, Ted. Ted? Because I, I feel oh. like sometimes I'm in that mood where I just put my <laughs> kick pads on in the morning and I go to the show and I'm already dressed. That way, if I'm late, I can just quickly just put on basically my shoes if I have to and then I hop in the ring. But I've been trying to feel a lot better with not being late for shows. It's all prep. Waking up in the yeah. morning and prepping yourself and getting sure. getting your shit together, packing your bag, getting your merch and stuff. Where before, you just I, I didn't I didn't understand the the reason uh, people had a certain stigma about me and it was the stress of a promoter dealing with thirty yeah. guys starts <laughs> late for the show, yep. wondering if I'm going to show up or not. I thought, hey, you know, we're cool, but then I realized, shit, that's not the best that's not the best way of being. Uh, relied upon if you get there, you know. It's actually the worst. (laughs) Not only is it not the best, Teddy, but it's the worst. (laughs) It's not the best. It's not only is it not the best, but it's the worst like way we can be, and and that's why like it's like you people like that's that's why I said a little earlier. It's just like that's how good you are, Ted. Is like people still booked you in spite of all that. And it's so and it's so cool to see uh, you coming up out of that, Ted. And I'm keeping my eye on you, man. Uh, and, I appreciate that. Show means the world to me to have someone like you in my corner and, again. Hey, and we're a hundred. Only be in someone's corner if they want to play ball. Hey, we're a hundred and five minutes in the show. This is one of the longer <laughs> shows. I've oh, done it a long time. Teddy Hart's gonna ramble on like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, before, so. but I'm grateful that I'm grateful that you came came on today, Teddy. It's it, it's really uh, great talking to you. And there's so many things that I would have loved to talk to talk about our experiences. I would have loved to have deep dived into some more of that Mexico stuff. Maybe I'll have you back on and we could do a separate show uh, or or something. I'm always always. Uh, flattered to talk to you. It's an honor to talk to you, and anything I can do to to get a message out there, uh, especially through you. The translation of you and I doing it together, I think, is nice because uh, you don't 
you don't you dude you're a straight fucking shooter you don't bullshit and you don't sugarcoat things and uh that's one thing i think we're too honest sometimes sean but i mean that's that's been uh that's also been what made people love us so much is i think that they know that we tell the truth if it's a knock on ourselves nobody's harder on i think you and i are the most hard on our we're the most honest with our self-evaluation we know when we fucked up and what happened and we say it the way it was a lot of guys deflect it or they don't say anything or they act like it didn't happen yeah. And I think that's why we're still able to come back and people go, oh, fuck, I want to hear what Sean has to say or I want to listen to Sean's podcast because uh, you never, you did your, you're so classy with how you work with everyone else, but you're, you're straight fucking. Well, we're going to test that theory this week with, <laughs> with the how much they want to listen to my podcast after 110 goddamn minutes. But, Teddy, I miss you, my friend, and I, and I hope that we see each other soon. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I will stay in touch more on the phone, Sean. And All right. I'll keep calling you and, and talking to you and send you some videos and stuff of what I'm doing. And uh, hopefully, maybe we get on a couple shows together here. Sounds good, man. Hey, it's great talking to you, Teddy. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day, my friend. God bless you, my friend. Love you very much. Thank Love you, so you much too, for Ted. Me on, guys. All right, guys. At, at Teddy Hart is back on Twitter. Oh, he has oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. If you yeah. Want to follow him on Twitter. Right. Does he have a pro wrestling tease? I don't think he has a pro wrestling tease, but on his Twitter, you can find the link to where MLW is selling the the new Hart Foundation oh, okay. shirts that have him, Pillman Jr., right. and Harry Smith. So real quick, let's get the the pleasantries out of the way and let's get the well, f out of here. Thank you for watching on our new YouTube channel. If yes, you yes. Subscribe, please subscribe to YouTube.com/slash XPOC. Uh, I should have made a bigger deal about that. <laughs> it's all good. son of a bitch. It'll be on the channel. It's uh, a big deal. Shit. This weekend, Saturday, August twenty fifth, Sean will be in Chicago at Pro Wrestling Tees doing their fan appreciation meet and greet from twelve to three. Next Wednesday, August 29th, is the first ever. X-Pac 12360 live at the Bootleg Theater. Doors are at 7.30. Show starts at 8.30. Our guests that we have confirmed are Brody King, Taya Valkyrie, Paul London, and Open Mike Eagle doing a performance probably to start And the show. it's going to be other people, too. And it's going to be too. amazing. And then, and then like, one of my uh, Afri- like a very good friend of mine who's an African-American stand-up comedian. He has some other TV shows he's been in, like... You know, he's going to be there, too. You don't want to say his name? No, okay. man. Like, no. Like, but I think if you can guess, like, you know. I think they could piece it yeah. together. So, you know. Yeah. And there might be somebody, you know, like, I, I've talked to a couple of other people, too, that if they can make it, they're going to. It's definitely something yes. you want to come out and experience. Absolutely. Yes. Firsthand. So. Tickets are 20 bucks. VIP tickets to meet Sean are 50. Tickets are available at Ticketfly or just go on Facebook.com and search for XPOC and you'll find it. Cool. Follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the Booth. All right. You guys can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo, YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. There's K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in four different YouTube channels. Well, now five different YouTube channels. If you want to find out which ones, you got to go ahead and follow me. All right. Well, okay, everyone. For anyone that's still listening or watching, <laughs> we'll see you next week right here after Buzz TV with Westwood One and Jericho Network. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.